0: You hit like a girl. This phrase has been tossed around for years, but one woman defies the stereotype. Physically dominating any man that came her way, Kuda Yoon was anything but the stereotypical princess. Today we're talking about Kuda Yoon. Are you excited for Kuda Yoon, Levi? Yeah, Kuda Yoon. <laughs> Household name. You ever heard of her? She's, she is a princess. She was born in the year 1260. How have you not heard of her? Very, very popular woman. Before my time. Nah, that's the premise of the show. Of course you haven't heard of her. That's the whole whole idea. Oh, geez. Okay. So she was anyways. (laughs) Her name's spelled with an L, as you can see in the title. Um, But it's, I believe, there's a lot of debate on how it's pronounced, but um, a Mongolian translator uh, specified that is pronounced Kudayun. So I'm going with Kudayun, not Loon. Anyways, she was born <laughs> in 12... Loom. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's good. Yeah. Good content, good content. <laughs> she was born in 1260 uh, in Mongolia. She was the daughter of a powerful military leader. He's an important figure in the story. His name was Kaidu. Uh, Kudayun was born in Mongolia. I already said that. And she was the, the great... <laughs> <laughs> is he reading? Who can tell? <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah, she was the. Uh, I can't tell. <laughs> she was the great great granddaughter of Genghis Khan. Okay, okay, but I mean, everyone was the great great something, right, of him right. In Mongolia, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she was very closely related in the fact that, uh, like, she her name is Kunayun Khan. And her father was the leader of the Khan military after he had died. Like he was five generations later, whatever. Not five. Does like two. Does her descendant run Khan Academy now? Am <laughs> I right? Okay, right? okay. Uh, Moving yeah. on. <laughs> God. From <laughs> from a young age, she was adored by her her dad, and her father, uh, over her other siblings. She had a ton of others. She had, I think, like fourteen brothers. And yeah, millions. Sisters. millions. Well, yeah, tons, so, tons. But, um, but the her direct siblings, not her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's not the daughter of Genghis Khan. She's a great, great. No, girl yeah, though, yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Just to clarify. Anyways, uh, he outwardly would tell his family that this is Kaidy. He would outwardly tell them that he would favor her over the other siblings. <laughs> he wasn't discreet about it at all. It'd be like if my mom was like, "Yeah, Ryan, I love you more than your sister Olivia." Well, she Olivia does do that. Yes. Yeah, she does. So that's... I can relate to Kudiyun. Several occasions. Uh, the, the name, <laughs> name Kudiyun means moonlight. So there's that fun little fact. And I think they named her Moonlight because she... This is what Won I understood. The Oscar to, for Best Picture in 2017. Uh, yikes. Six jokes, the jokes, folks. Um, uh, all right. It's... <laughs> It's just puns with me. That's all I have. <laughs> she represented the light in the darkness and Kaido's darkness. That's, that's what that is. That's where I was going with that. She showed her incredible power and athleticism at a very young age. So they would train kids in the Khan <clears throat> militia at the time to shoot like bow and arrows on horseback and stuff from when they were like three years old. So they were trained <laughs> warriors at a really young age. She had 14 brothers and she would join them in their warrior training. Uh, She learned how to wrestle like Greco-Roman style wrestling when she was a child and she would compete in tournaments uh, against grown men in the army. And she won when she was a kid. Yeah. She would just beat military men up. Uh, Her father, Kaidu, became the leader of the Mongol Empire in 1280. So not really the Mongol Empire, because it's kind of hard to explain. Um, I tried to read the history of Mongolia to try to best understand this. There were the, the Khans, which were kind of just to their own empire. And then there was like the actual Mongolian government. And so they were two separate entities, but the government didn't really have any jurisdiction over anything because the Khans were so powerful at this time that they basically ran the whole country. They were essentially just a giant dynasty of wealthy warriors that dominated the entire region. So her father really actually led the Khans at the time. But the issue was there was a lot of civil war within the family after Genghis Khan died for, for decades. There were wars between the family members of who would actually be in charge, and he would come out on top of War just them. runs in the family then, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Genghis Khan was a warlord. Village, warlord. Well, rape, village. So he took control of this empire when Kutiyun was 20 years old, so she became a princess at this time, and Kaidu appointed her as the only female military leader. In the years leading up to Kaidu taking over, uh, the Empire had split into the Civil War that I was just talking about, and his family eventually won control, but the rival sects were still at war with his, so his family, it was basically cousins fighting cousins, that's the best way to explain it, because Khan had so many, Genghis Khan had so many kids, they all right. wanted control. Just imagine the Thanksgiving football game. Yeah, yep, there you go. <laughs> that's pretty good, I like that. Alright, uh, I'll keep moving. Jeez, this guy, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hey. Ryan Muskin. Uh, So this family was known, the rival family was known as the Yuan. They were cousins of the Khans, I'll call them. So Kuda Yun uh, was her father's main military strategist, and she would ride horseback in the war by his side. She was well familiarized with the politics of Mongolia at the time. She knew which political figures to catch or kill uh, to best collapse their opponents and negotiate in battle. So what she would do regularly is she would ride in the battle on horseback. Then she would lasso a specific political figure, tie him up, hogtie style, and then bring her back to her father. <laughs> so then they would like, you know, torture her or use them for ransom or political gain. Pretty, it was pretty smart. And together, Kaidu, well, I wouldn't say it was pretty smart. It was just, she was really badass and would just take what she wanted. That's the best way to put it. I don't know if I call it smart. Together, Kaidu and Kudayun dominated the territory in one full control and she became the Mongolian princess. Kuryun, this is during and around after the time of the war, she met Marco Polo. Fun fact, the real Marco, Marco. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Bit such, such a good joke, though. <laughs> I have such a good joke. Fine. Polo. Shut up. <laughs> 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 there you go. <laughs> the old setup. <clears throat> <laughs> so he, at this time, Marco Polo was on his quest through Asia, and at the time... He had befriended her family, uh, so if you don't know the story of Marco Polo, he's basically a tradesman. I don't know what he was just an explorer, but he was really into like the trading game in Asia and all Did that. You just lead into here's an explanation of this guy, and then be like, <laughs> I don't know, I have no idea what this guy. Well, is. it's like he's a complicated figure, Marco Polo. Ah, uh never know where he was you know right. in the pool marco. <laughs> you never know where he is. Uh, shut up, shut up. Yeah, it's the same so same same. Yeah. <laughs> anyone listening not at all no chance no, no. no chance anyways so he was he befriended the family because he was trying to he wants to have connections with the power figures so that he could set up powerful and wealthy trade connections uh initially marco polo wrote down in his journal that he was terrified of her and described her in his book as a superb warrior. One who could ride into enemy ranks and snatch a captive as easily as a hawk snatches a chicken. So that's a, I don't know how often hawks do that, but as easily as whenever they're hungry, Whenever they see one Marco Polo often did major trade agreements through his relationship with the family. And so that's why he was around a lot. And there were some, suggestions that they had a romantic relationship, but it seems like he mostly made that up in his book based on some of the things he was saying, because, uh, you know, men will do that. And fun little fact, she appears in uh, the Netflix Marco Polo series as a character. Uh, I think it's a side little character, and I've never seen the series, but I was reading that her character shows up. I've never seen the Marco Polo show, but oftentimes she get approached by numerous suitors, because you know, obviously, she was a beautiful and wealthy and respected princess from an incredibly powerful family, and she was single, right, ladies? Right, ladies. <clears throat> she was single. She was single. I guess yep. there could be lesbians. Oh boy, just anyone. Yeah, I loud. I can keep going. I can yeah, go. keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> it's not an opinion. I didn't don't ask know, it's for not a podcast. Oh. <laughs> Whew. So she, anyway, all these suitors are coming to her. She starts setting up standards for her suitors because she's like, I'm not going to just marry anyone. Her rules were that she would marry any man that could beat her in a wrestling match. And she also demanded that they must wage a standard number of horses to wrestle her. A standard number <laughs> of, of horses. <laughs> yes. So the rule was well. if she won, she would keep the horses. And if the man won, he'd get to marry her. Uh, originally, it cost around ten horses. That was the initial salary or wage uh, to fight her, and this number was set to prevent you know just any random Joe from challenging her to right. us. because there could just be some poor guy that has one horse and he's like, "Let's do this." Like, I'm not gonna risk that because you know homeless Joe over here with one horse, right? Yeah. Homeless Joe <laughs> the horse. Homeless Joe in Mongolia. Uh- Lucidity. <laughs> So she wrestled hundreds of men and she was undefeated. She beat every single one of them. She gathered over 10,000 horses at this point (laughs) (laughs) that she used for the militia. So they, she would wrestle just people from all these different kingdoms and just kick all these guys' asses. Uh, And one wrestling wrestling match stood out specifically as her most famous of all. A lot of famous people were there, including Marco Polo himself. And, um, She wrestled this guy. uh, He was a wealthy prince who had bet the highest number of horses she had ever seen, a thousand horses. So this guy was from another um, really wealthy royal family, and he had a bunch of horses. And her parents were rooting. Her parents wanted this guy to beat her because they liked him. They're like, yeah, he's royalty and rich, and he was handsome and uh, really confident. They're like, you should just lose to this guy. Just throw the fight. They wanted her to lose. Right. And she was like, nah. I'm a, like, he has to actually beat me. And uh he was an experienced and respected warrior, so you're like, yeah, this guy could actually win. But apparently their fight was really long. It was a good fight, it was bloody and brutal, and she almost killed him by the end of it. <laughs> and she won, of course. She beat yeah. him. And uh that so that was her biggest win of her wrestling career. But here's the catch: while in power, the Yuan, which was the rival family. Uh, they speculated that the reason for Kutiyun's strict marriage rules was because she was trying to disguise her incestual relationship with her father. Again with the incest. I know. It's half, happened, so every, half of Unsong at least. Incest, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out Whoa. many believe that this was just propaganda created by the enemies to help shame Kaidu. Because at this time, it wasn't in that culture. Not acceptable. For some reason in America, it was acceptable, but not not in 1200 Asia in Mongolia. Right. <clears throat> they already were like, yeah, don't, that's not cool. So they think that was propaganda. If she wasn't my daughter, maybe I'd be dating her. No. Right. Nice. <laughs> right. Uh, so they wanted to do it to shame Kaidu, basically her dad. So to protect her family, she had to end these rumors. So she dropped the whole wrestling gimmick and she got married Uh, and who she got married to was interesting. She got married twice. The first guy she married was a captured assassin, a guy that failed to kill her dad. So there's this guy that tried to kill her father. They caught him, and she thought he was handsome, so she decided to marry him. And um, from what I was reading, that marriage didn't work out for some reason, and she ended up marrying a guy who was friends with her dad. So there's that. So then her dad was getting older, and towards the end of his life... He started petitioning for Kudayun to take his spot and rule the Khan Empire. However, no woman has ever ruled it before, so this was met with a lot of resistance from, you know, military leaders, citizens, enemies, and most of all, her brothers, who were like, uh, "What about the fourteen of us, the boys? You know, boys, boys rule." So, <laughs> Kudayun's brother- <laughs> brothers were demanding. They're like, "Males got to take this position." And it would be untraditional for her to take it. So while he, can, 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 he kept... Can, ah, Jesus, he continued... He continued yeah. yeah. <laughs> to campaign for his daughter. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, uh, Kaido, Kaido died Kaidu died in 1301. Really? And um, Kuriyun no longer had anyone to really back her up to take control. Everyone was you know, at her at this point. So one of her cousins took over instead and appointed her as a military leader. But she was fine with this. She foresaw the fall of the impending collapse of the entire Khan dynasty, which did happen just like six years later after her father died. The whole Khan empire really collapsed. It broke out into a massive civil war and the whole thing pretty much ended after that. So she knew there wasn't even really a chance if she took over that would be able to stay stable. And so she kind of remained politically active, but uh, she wanted to preserve what her father had built, but it wasn't really working out for her. And then in 1306, at the age of just 46 years old, Kuda dies under unknown circumstances. So after her father died and she left her position of power, power Kuda fell out of the public eye. And Marco Polo, who had been her primary biographer for several years, he went back to Europe. So people just, no one really kept up with what she was doing. She kind of became irrelevant at this point. Uh, Some accounts from her family believed that she was likely a victim of an assassination and because records show that there was a series of assassinations at this point in the Khan family. So a lot of her close relatives were being assassinated. So they think that maybe she was assassinated, but they never found her body or anything. Some people think maybe she was involved in war, even though she had really only been in politics at this point, not really serving military roles. But yeah, she died and it was kind of a mystery. And her life was sort of forgotten for almost like 500 years at this point, Um, really only kept in certain biographers' books, specifically Marco Polo and a few other historians throughout time. But her story kind of was forgotten. And then her legacy came more into public light in the 18th century when her life story is made into an opera called The Dot*, which I... Thought it sounded familiar to me, and so I went and listened to the soundtrack, and it's I had heard of this before. It's really beautiful. It's a really famous opera. I didn't know that in the opera community, not Phantom of the Opera type opera, like very like actual opera opera. Well, Phantom of the Opera is a musical, <clears throat> right, so. right? Right, 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 right. It's not a that. real. This was a real opera, <laughs> uh, and it has been cited the finale of the opera has been cited as the most beautiful moment in opera. So I highly recommend you go listen to the Dot finale if you've never heard of it before. And that's really the story of Kudayun. Kudayun Khan was a famous princess warrior who was an undefeated wrestler that won over ten thousand horses from her opponents, who all competed for her love. She was a legendary warrior and brutal military strategist who led her father's military to victory. She broke down barriers and proved her dominance from a young age, outshining the men that surrounded in every athletic challenge. Kuta Yoon was simply phenomenal, and her legacy is cemented in our culture today. How's her legacy cemented? In an opera, and she's on Netflix, dude. She's in a world-class opera about her life. And she's on Netflix. How else can you be cemented in our culture today? Inside my Both the fine arts and the everyman arts, da, da, if you know what I'm saying. Da, 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 Ugh. Sing! Yeah. Glad to see Levi's engaged this episode, right guys? I'm engaged. Thanks yeah. for listening to <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be back next week with two new stories on Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe if you like the show and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Oh, on is researched and written by Ryan Muskin. Production and original music by Levi Rainey. Levi, more like... More like shmivai. Yeah, he did that again. He's, he, it's oh, literally... Shit, dude, it's just... wait, hold on. I forgot to hit record. Oh, no, yep. I'm just kidding. I'm yep. kidding. Alright, well, we made it. I hope you guys enjoyed these past two episodes. You didn't, you didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You us a one star. Leave you didn't. Star. Five stars. Bye. <laughs> Every time.